0: This is the Masters of Cinema cast. My name is Joachim. And my name is Tom. And today we have a, an episode which will cover the third quarter announcement. Um, they didn't do a collected release announcement this, uh, this time around, but they did it piecemeal. Um, and the reason why is that uh, I, I read on the Facebook page that. The releases of, uh, for example, If and Too Late Blues and Harold and etc., they had to be put back. So because they were behind on production, they thought that they wouldn't want to release uh, the release dates uh, without uh, them being correct on the scheduling. So uh, they did it uh, when they could confidently say that the release dates were correct. It was kind of difficult keeping track of the of the releases this time around, because uh, something like Madame Dupery, I couldn't find any tweets of that one being released, but...
1: Uh... Yeah, it seems to go on the radar, that one, a little bit. Um, mm. I, 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 I wasn't aware that there was anything going on with that, and it's a film which I don't know anything about either. I've mm. never seen it, I've never had anything... I mean, I know it's directed by Ernst Lubitsch, obviously, from a bit of um, digging, and you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Ernst Lubitsch films, but... I've never heard of this one. And it's one of those ones that's a bit strange, really, because it's like when when you don't know sometimes that they're often the ones that kind of surprise you the most. And yeah, I mean, I've been looking forward to seeing it, but uh, it, it, there doesn't seem to be much kind of like internet kind of gasping in joy that this is actually going to be kind of uh, coming out, which is uh, you sometimes with these silent films, you know, it's like we go through all these format changes
0: and you know, people kind of
1: crying out for films. And this one, I've, I, I, it didn't seem like anyone was sort of like, you know, uh, campaigning to have it released at all.
0: No. Never, never read anything about it, no rumors, nothing, so it will be interesting uh, watching it when it uh, is released. But one that uh, we have known about is the Faust film, which uh, I think uh, it's been in the works for some time now, the Blu-ray upgrade, and, uh, this is a new camera negative from the Murnau Foundation. So it will be released on the 18th of August, uh, not too long from now, in a dual format. This is the final film from Murnau. And, uh, do you, have you seen the DVD?
1: I have, yeah. I've, I've got the, the, the original kind of release that came out from us, the Cinema. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of this film. I love the artwork on the original. Did they keep the, did they keep the cover or? I don't know whether or not they're going to keep it for this Blu-ray or not. I don't know, but I mean, it's it's a pretty it's a really wonderful little drawing, and uh, yeah, mm. I'll be quite. Uh, I, well, I want them to basically. I know you can pick it up on um, the original DVD. You can pick it up quite cheap, like used off Amazon. So
0: okay. The next uh, release that we are getting, the Spine number 91, uh, Faust was Spine number 78, by the way, but Frau im Mont is the Fritz Lang film, a Blu-ray upgrade there as well, a dual-format release, which will be coming on the 25th of August. This is uh, Fritz Lang's science fiction odyssey where they are going to the moon to find gold or something. Yeah, it kind of came out.
1: I mean, there was a big thing um, in the post-war kind of German... World, world where you obviously they had to kind of pay back reparations for the war, and there was this kind of almost like alchemy. Like I know you can get like gold out of the sea, um, it's a very kind of laborious task, and I think you, there was actual kind of like quite a lot of money spent by the Germans it's just to kind of be a way, and they could sort of pay things off as it were, and it kind of never obviously came so much because I'm pretty certain someone had done it before if they if they could, and I, I sort of always wondered if this, is this film kind of like an extension of that kind of idea? You know, was it born from that kind of? Uh, that kind of craziness. And uh, mm. I mean, I've seen it a few times. and It's it's one of my favourite uh, Fritz Lang films, actually. I really do quite enjoy it. So again, I'm, I'm really excited about the Blu-ray on this one. Mm.
0: I was looking at the trailer and the restoration looks pretty good on their YouTube site. So looking forward to it. It's also a documentary on the DVD that I hope will uh, carry over to the Blu-ray. Yeah, and I've actually, kind of on a
1: slight tangent, actually, I've, I've got a uh, m- my home cinema should be arriving quite soon um, Mm. and the projector on the screen and I'm really looking forward to going back and watching a lot of these silent films on a comparatively big screen because at the moment of course when you watch uh, kind of films that were made kind of prior 1950 you're always watching it in that kind of academy ratio and even if you've got a big widescreen telly you're still getting you know, you're not getting the whole picture and i'd like to see more of these films on a bigger scale to kind of get a, you know, a, a better idea of how they would have been shown at the time and this is certainly one which i've been really looking forward to putting on wings was another one where i actually saw that round at a friend's and he, he had a projector and we managed to get a massive kind of like quite decent presentation of it and yeah it was really kind of a gripping kind of great film so i'm looking forward to kind of replicating that experience
0: Mm. I've not seen set but I'm, uh, I've heard great things about it from you and others as well. So
1: yeah, it's, it's a it's a great it's a brilliant film actually, and uh, I was it was good, good must have bought that out because I was so tempted to buy. It. It's been out in America for a while. And I was really tempted to kind of like buy it and then go through that laborious task of making another DVD, co- blue, sorry, Blu ray copy of it without any of the copyright protection in it, which you can do. It just takes a bloody age, basically. And you end up almost paying double for the film because um, mm. <laughs> you, know, you have to buy a blank Blu ray, which you know, they're not that cheap yet. And I was so pleased when that came out. And it's, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite releases from mm-hmm. my cinema in a very long time.
0: The next film, I think the Germans are standing strong with the MOC nowadays because the next film is the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. This is one that we knew about for some time uh, since the uh, restoration was announced. I think last uh, last um, fall, I think. Uh, but uh, this will be released on a dual format on September twenty ninth. Yes, I think this is both one we've got earmarked
1: as being a kind of a the biggest, uh, yeah, and
0: it's an essential one, isn't it, yeah. really. It's it's one that will probably top one of our lists for uh, the release of the year,
1: Yeah, I, I mean, would reckon. Would, well, I, I would hope so, anyway. I wonder, I mean, do we know anything about the features on this one yet?
0: I know that there will be a commentary by David who who's also provided commentaries for Nosferatu, Exit 1, and City Girl as well, so... And there's also a new video essay by David Cairns, a film critic. Yeah, and... Um...
1: It's yeah, it's one of the kind of all time classics, isn't it? And it's hmm. a film which, when I mean, we know we're talking about kind of like university and whatnot on the last episode, and this is was a film I can't remember how many times I must have watched it um, when I was kind of studying film, and uh, I think it's worth a little tangent at the moment. I really do think, and we were we've been a bit dismissive previously about kind of master cinemas uh, cover art, and I think they kind of really kind of nailed it recently in a few of these. Reasons. I love the frown Mond one for example, hmm. I know things. But um yeah, this Dr. Calper Gary one as well. That's another it's a really nice kind of um painting and yeah, I, I, it's one of the ones where you I'd like to have the poster, you know,
0: uh, yeah. Have it displayed in my house. Yeah. Speaking about the covers, uh this quarter, the Madame dubery is also one that looks spectacular. Yeah, definitely. I was very I was very of that. It'd, be, it'd be nice it'd be, it'd be, I don't know if they've ever kind of thought about it, but doing, you know,
1: reprints of these so you could buy them online i think that'd be a nice mm. kind of uh, that'd be a really nice kind of um direction for them to go down because there's a few of these i mean my hands over the city was one that i really really liked
0: and mm. uh,
1: uh yeah i was kind of like i'd like to have that kind of displaying but it's uh yeah i don't know there must be some sort of copyright issue i don't know
0: Emil Jannings, he stars in both uh, Faust and this Madame Joubery uh, film. He plays the Louis the Fifteenth, I think. And uh, from what I gather, the Madame Joubery is about this uh, courtesan who works her way up the ladder, becomes Louis the XV's lover before he died. And uh, it's sort of a different Lubitsch film from his sort of intimate romantic comedies. There seems to be... Uh, a more epic historical epic with more cynicism in it
1: well i mean like i said i don't know anything about it so i i it's i mean i don't even know how long it is for example
0: i mean yeah i could I, I could find two running times 85 minutes and 113 right and uh the film i found the film on youtube and it was 113 there but i saw uh reviews of it which listed 85 minutes so i don't know right
1: well, I mean, yeah, we have to kind of wait and see what comes out on that one. But I mean, yeah,
0: uh, yeah like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like
1: Zubich uh, films anyway. He's uh, always an interesting director, and uh, it's, it's nice when you see directors. I mean, I, I've 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 watched you know his sound films. I've never seen one of his silent films. It'd be interesting to see the style of it compared to those, and maybe uh, you know, if there's any kind of like yeah, you can see the kind of. The, the the carryover from his kind of like earning his kind of directing stripes on these silent films over to his sound stuff so yeah i'm definitely looking forward to it like any master
0: cinema release that will be spy number 93 and uh, number 94 is the busby berkeley film the gang's all here which we talked briefly about in the last episode
1: yeah i I have seen this film before um it's a strange one I, i always feel like i should like kind of these berkeley films i feel like i should have a kind of a nostalgic like for them a lot more than i do Mm. the kind of musicals in general really and i don't and I, I think it's this sort of like gap in my kind of film nerdiness that that's there and um i do try and address it occasionally and most of the times i kind of watch film and think you know this is why i it's not like i don't like them necessarily and i i just i struggle to enjoy them perhaps as much as i should mm. and I, I i've i've seen this before and it's a yeah, it's a perfectly good film um obviously i'll buy it but it's not something, you know, I'm sort of like particularly looking out for kind of throughout my life. And uh, yeah, it's a yeah, it's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, I was watching the trailer and I noticed that the sceptic in me was kind of growing. <laughs> I'm with you that I don't enjoy these sort of old school musical numbers as much, but it looks spectacular and it looks uh, it's the only technical film that will be in the masters of cinema. Um, and I think this was the first uh technical film that Busby Berkeley made. So, and he, he is such an iconic sort of uh, director, choreographer. This uh, Busby Berkeley. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I so say
1: he's, he's written he's written his way into film history, hasn't he? Really. I mean, new but that's it, it's one of those, it's one of those aspects of film history that I don't particularly I don't have that much interest in. Mm. I, I I don't you know. No, I don't kind of. Seek it out as much as I should, or or know yeah, even want to. I, I guess in time. I mean, my my kind of viewing habits have changed so much over the years. I might, when I hit sixty or something, I might suddenly go through a crazy Busby Ber- Berkeley phase. You know, <laughs> this, this is suddenly one of my all time favourite films. But um, yeah, it's it. Yeah, well, it will come out, and I, I'm no doubt I'll really enjoy it. And uh, I've got a feeling my film viewing when this home cinema is installed is yeah. going to go through the roof. And this, you know, I'm going to be sort of sat there and the. Uh, yeah, you know, watching films all day, and uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Of course, I will put it on and uh, report back. There will be a documentary, Busby Berkeley, a journey with a star on this one, and a deleted scene, and there will also be a commentary with Glenn Kenny, Ed Hulse, and uh, a former guest of ours, Farrah Nemi. So that would be interesting. Yeah, and that's one of the ones
1: what I, what I do like about this type of thing. Sometimes when you listen to commentaries, that and it's people who are so keen on these types of films mm. sometimes their enthusiasm sort of rubs off on me a little bit and i'm kind of like <laughs> i'm very much kind of like predisposed to kind of like seek them out a little bit more and it, 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 i hope yeah you know, uh yeah that's one of those commentaries where I, I sort of listen to it and i think um you know that infectiousness rubs off on me a little bit um yeah. I, I i don't know about you but i mean do you, how often do you listen to commentaries because i'm going through a phase at the moment where i've actually got look because i'm kind of doing like of you know, lots of editing from home or colour grading and things like that through work. And sometimes I put, I've started listening to commentaries a lot more than I used to. And um yeah, it's it's really kind of like opened up a can of worms really because before I wasn't, I, I listened to the odd one, but I wasn't that kind of like religious about it. But now I've really, really got into it. And uh, mm. when they're good, they're good. But I, I found when they're bad, they are excruciating to get through.
0: Mm. Uh, I'm kind of complete this in that range that I have to I, I I've taken it back a bit but I have to watch all the special features on a disc that I buy mm. so uh, I probably use more time going through the special features at times than watching the movie but um I'm I've started to get better and I started to to skip all those promo pieces the fluff pieces yeah I there's nothing worse than you know the normal like, yeah. It's such
1: an honour working with blah-de-blah and you know, fuck off, you know. Just, yeah.
0: But uh, cool. the, um, the uh, enthusiasm commentary, I find that uh, Guillermo del Toro, he always convinces me that I like his films more than I did before I watched.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he always a bit of a hard rap, I seem to find, del Toro. Mm. Um, a lot of people really, really don't like him, and it's quite personal, it seems to me. Um, <laughs> which, when, it, when it's personal, it always seems to me... When it's overtly personal... I always think there's something a little bit more going on. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed Pacific Rim, actually. I thought it was a film that I didn't have any interest in whatsoever. Hmm. Um, I found myself really liking that. And when I, I was kind of like talking to people about it, they were just like ripping into it. and But ripping into him, but we're not actually talking about the film. So I don't know if I'm missing something on him, but...
0: Uh, not that I noticed. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I can't get where the hate is coming from. I love. It. I love his like jovial character and his unabashed fandom, and, and I, I just I find his his whole persona just engaging and fascinating. Even though I don't like all of his films, but I find him rather interesting. Sir. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's an accusation that that he's incredibly arrogant. I think that's one thing I've heard about him, but I don't tend to think that. And hmm. you know, perhaps he's got a. It's got reason to be a little bit arrogant. You know, you work in Hollywood, you've made it, you know. Yeah. His Hellboy films as well, I think, are really underrated. Yeah, Um I agree. I, Tragically, I think there was a thing I was reading the other day, we're not going to get a third one. Oh, but, really? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, they just haven't made enough money, unfortunately. I think they've made money, but not enough money to sort of warrant a a, a third one. That's a shame, actually, because I quite like it. I enjoy the comics and I've enjoyed those films, so it's a bit of a shame, but never hmm. mind.
0: Perhaps when he... Has some more success. I know that Pacific Rim didn't perform as well as they wanted in the states, but um because of international attendances, they they're getting a sequel for that one. So perhaps that's the that, that's the problem with Pacific Rim.
1: I've gone on about it long enough. I'm so bored of films, especially the Marvel films, where it's just set in America, mm. and it's and I have I did cop a lot of shit for it. I, I can't, can't remember if I've spoken about it before, but I did raise this as an issue once, and it was unusual, you know facebook trolls basically sort of you know making the comments where it's american money and you know who gives a shit about what doesn't you know the normal <laughs> the normal nonsense and the kind of the point i was making films don't tend to feel global to me and hmm. I, I find it quite distracting in a way and uh the best example i can think is a film called world war z which i think is a brilliant film i know obviously um it, that's a sacrilegious thing to say given the fact that I'm meant to love the book, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I really like that film because I had a sense that this was this was a real huge event going on. Pacific Rim had that same thing for me. I felt like I was watching something that was really big and global and had a real kind of sense of that there was so much to lose in what was going on in the films, whereas a lot of them I find when they're just set in America and we just kind of we, we invariably end up in an American city destroying it. I'm just like, well, where's the rest of the world in this? You know, and it's... Uh, it's it's a, it has been an issue for me in the past, and that was one of the reasons why I enjoyed Pacific Rim so much. I think.
0: Mm. Uh, what did you think of Godzilla? Because they did something to that effect, but not entirely. They brought it home to the states and last... I have I have got to say I have not seen it, okay. and the reason for that was actually it didn't play very
1: long in Manchester, oh. and normally like the big big sort of prestige releases, you, you'll get a good there's enough screens really where you'll get like about you know two months out of a good. I mean, I know and and that was one where it, it seemed to come and go and I think because it was quite, I, I haven't met anyone who's loved it yet mm. and I think that might have been the problem I, it was sort of, I, mean, I know the trailer really got me with that music from 2001 Space Odyssey
0: It's nothing uh, like the
1: trailer so Yeah, it really like really, kind of I like thought oh, this is going to be great and then <laughs> for whatever reason um, kind of work schedule and conflicts and things like that, I never ever got the chance to kind of go and see it so I was pretty really disappointed actually so but I mean, it, yeah. I mean, what what were your kind of thoughts on it?
0: I found it kind of bland. if I was the the main character of uh, the one from Kick Ass. He he's he's just not interesting that character. So uh, you want to see more of that. You want to see more of Godzilla, but um, they they bog it down too much in the human emotions and uh, stuff that just becomes trite and uh, kind of boring.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it, to do mm. films like that and kind of do something where. You know, we ha- we generally haven't seen it before and it, I, I, I think a lot of times that people are too afraid to make the monster the star of the show yeah. it's almost you know it's a monster for Christ's sake eh? you know it, and it, it you know monsters do horrible nasty things and that's what I, I that's what I want from a monster film I don't want this sort of I don't bog down with someone trying to save someone and all this kind of nonsense and like I said I haven't mm-hmm. seen it so I can't really kind of go on about it but um, it's if it's uh, World War Z I think has kind of set a kind of new kind of Present with me on how I want to see films have a global impact playing out, and uh, Mm. if they're not like that, if it's just set in Los Angeles or something, yeah, I'm I'm very quickly going to lose interest.
0: Speaking of global impact, and uh, that doesn't necessarily make a good movie. I watched Transformers Age of Extinction, I don't know why, don't ask me why,
1: but I'm done with that. Jesus Christ, do you know what? this This was the thing, and I sat there and I'll 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 admit it. I I vaguely enjoyed the first Transformers film. Yes, I agree. And I thought yeah, it was quite good fun. And then and then the second one, I was like, right, this is pretty <laughs> awful. And the third one, I rented it because I just bought a three D television, so I thought I'll rent it, and you know, it'd be a thing. And I was just like, this is a new level of moronic, and. I, I'm. I'm. I think I've just reached a point now where I, I just can't take this kind of nonsense anymore. Because you know it's not even going to be an attempt at anything. These, no. It's just going to be pictures. It's going to be shots of girls bending over, you know, wiggling their bums. It's going to be moronic interludes. And M- M- Michael Bay. I mean, I don't. I've never met the guy, obviously, but he just comes across as such a dick. And when you've got people like James Cameron and Steven Spielberg singing his praises, saying he's like the best man for the you know, to be making these types of films, I find it sort of like depressing for film at large mm. that people like that. I mean, you, you watch any kind of the promo pieces and Steven Spielberg's like, yeah, he's exactly the type of man who should be making these types of films. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's an absolute imbecile and he makes moronic, stupid
0: films for children.
1: And and that's the other thing. These films—they're not. I don't think they're acceptable
0: for children. Uh, it's it's subpar entertainment by the lowest grade. But I have to interject that Michael Bay did make Pain and Gain, and I love that movie. You keep telling me to watch it, and yes. do
1: you know what? Do you know what? After I'm done with this episode, it's on. I've got it on demand. I will I will download it and watch it, and and let you know my thoughts on it because yeah. it it's one of one of the things about Pain and Gain that really interests me. Apparently the actual film tones down how ridiculous the actual story was. (laughs) Which is always... It's like that... Um, have seen Meireen. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, his kind of attack on the prison. They actually underplayed it in the film because in real life, it was even more, like, ridiculous. What? And when when anything like that happens, it always makes me... I'm always amazed. It's like in American Gangster. Yeah. The sums of money they were using to bribe the police were actually less in the film than they were in real (laughs) life because they didn't think people would believe... How much money people were making, and that's always interesting to me. And I, I've heard Pain and Gain, yeah, I've had it actually. It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? That Michael Bay tones down something from real yeah, life, but
0: an oxymoron,
1: I, I, yeah. And this thing, I don't know anything about that film either, other than the rocks in it. And the rock gives me hysterics just looking at him sometimes. But <laughs> I don't know whether Mark Wahlberg's become his new muse as well.
0: That's slightly, yeah, I don't know. You um, should you uh, should probably pander to the female audience more if he's using Mark Wahlberg.
1: That's a tough one with
0: Mark Wahlberg. Cause I can't work out is he a good actor or not. I have seen some films where I think he's quite good. Um, the um, oh, the Singleton film Four Brothers. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, th- that's I think that's pretty decent. Um, yeah, Boogie Nights. I enjoyed. I do love Ted. I know that's I know that's a kind of you can't really. You're not supposed to say no, you no, like Ted, <laughs> but I, I, I felt I thought Ted was hysterical actually. So he kind of played that kind of idiot quite well. But okay. yeah, I, it's uh, I won't be watching Transformers: Age of Extinction any time soon. Even if it were to come on to when it does eventually drop on cable, and invariably it would be on the Sky Three TTS show. I won't watch it because I could be doing something better. that would yes. right. be my philosophy. I could literally think of a thousand things I'd rather do. Skip it. Yes, I'm going to
0: one that will. Uh... Uh Transformers that is one film that will never enter Cannes, but uh Masters of Cinema have acquired three films from the 2014 Cannes Festival. Um the first film is Claude Lansman's The Last of the Unjust. It is a sort of a follow up or a film that he made um he, he uh, filmed so much footage when he was making Showa, And this was apparently supposed to be in shower but it turned out that it was just too much of a, uh, too much of a, um, an important story to, it would, it would set off the balance, I think I read, yeah. in Shoah. So, uh, he released this one as a 220 minute standalone film. And, uh, apparently it follows, uh, a Jew named Benjamin Mermelstein. Uh, and he held an important position in uh, an internal organisation that uh, was in a ghetto. It oversaw the practicalities in Theresienstadt, in uh, it was a ghetto near Prague, I think, in Czech uh, Czechoslovakia. And um, he negotiated with the Nazis who governed it. So he's a highly controversial figure in history. And he was interviewed by a Landsman in Rome in 1975. Uh, and I saw the trailer before we started recording, and it looks completely fascinating. So I can't wait yeah. to see it. I, I'm really going through a phase at the moment of just loving
1: documentary films again, and I can't really get enough of them. And Showa is one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite films of all time, and hmm. um, you know I really want Masters and Mel to kind of upgrade that onto Blu-ray. I know they have the Criterion, I haven't picked that up um, hmm. just yet, but I was kind of waiting for it to come down the sell or something like that. But yeah, I mean. Anything like this just completely fascinates me, and it's one of those ones where it's it's very easy, I think, with time to kind of have a very, very, very uh, negative attitude towards people like this. You know, quite divisive characters, Mm -hmm. and I'm always intrigued to kind of hear from these types of people. I don't know if you recall, but there was a a brilliant BBC series once called um, "The Nazis: Hitler and the Final Solution," and what I loved about this film was it interviewed people from who were also ss guards and i found it i found their sort of accounts fascinating on the basis that some of them were so unrepentant mm. and it's sort of like you know there's one guy who's he's, he's he's just sat there casually talking about how you know it used to annoy him when he would shoot people and he'd line them up and shoot them in the head and like the people at the back of the thing, they wouldn't die properly because the bullet wouldn't go through their heads. as much. And it's just, you know, barbaric hearing it. But when you hear that type of thing, I know this guy's obviously kind of not on the kind of same scale as that. And not, not, not as evil, obviously. But to hear someone who who was there, and I, I think it'd be a fascinating experience to kind of watch this film. And uh, like I said, I love Shoah And to have this sort of like sequel or kind of, you know, I don't know if sequel's the word, but, um, you know. A, is yes, is, is, you know, I'm sure it would be incredibly interesting, and I, yeah, I'm really glad that they've picked it up. Mm.
0: Um, I, I've only watched uh, two episodes uh, random uh, uh, of Um but uh, I really want to sit down and like, go through the entire collection. So, Yeah, I mean, I actually went to Auschwitz and Birkenau um, a few years ago,
1: and it's, it sounds kind of really pretentious stuff like that, but it is a life-changing experience, and mm. I, I don't think... It sounds a bit morbid to say I became fascinated with the subject, but it's hard not to be kind of just overawed by it in a way. And it's something which, tragically, you know, we still have these kind of genocides going on, and you know, we don't, as a species, it seems we haven't really kind of learned a lesson. I think it's really important that these types of films are made. And you know, to try, it's just a shame. I it's a shame that if you were to give show to a lot of people, they would just like, it's just too long and kind of switch off and, you know, away from it but yeah, yeah this this would be something which yeah yeah i hope it I know there's a plan for a cinema release i don't know if it's been on i've, I've definitely not seen I've, I've not heard of it kind of been put on
0: anywhere i don't know if perhaps the, no i don't i think it's being released in august so uh as a theatrical release right. So, yeah i mean if, even at the kind of the running time i'd still go and watch it at the cinema um another film that they have acquired is uh, Sion Sono's uh, Tokyo Tribe which is a um adaptation of a manga and it looks completely bonkers from the trailer uh, it is a uh, a film set in an alternate future Tokyo uh, a hip hop gang war tale it was described as and the lead producer proclaimed it as not the average Japanese movie but a rap plus fighting action
1: <laughs> not heard of um yeah well, yeah, I'm happy to go along with it. I'm not a huge, um, yeah, I'm not kind of a massive sort of into these types of films.
0: Um, yeah, I'll watch it. Obviously, I go. Have you seen uh, Love Exposure, the other Tsien film that is no. quite famous? Okay. No, I've not seen uh, one. I, I tried to watch the first forty minutes of it. I think last year, but I couldn't get through it. Um, but apparently, some people love it, so.
1: Yeah, people get crazy over them, don't they? I mean, I work
0: with a guy who's obsessed with like Japanese pop
1: music and stuff like that, like, Japanese culture in general, and he's always trying to get me to kind of watch these films. They're so loud. I'm just like, ah, you know, I can't. <laughs> They're sort of like, it's like visual overload. You have to be in the uh, exact frame of mind, I think, to watch them. So, yeah, I'll give it a go.
0: Yeah. Um, the final film is also Alain Rene's final film, his uh, Life of Riley is the English title, I can't remember the French title of it, but um, from the trailer it looks like a fun, light-hearted, colourful comedy, fairly farcical, um, and it won the Silver Bear at the Berlin Film Festival, the Alfred Bauer Prize, for a feature film that opens new perspectives, I think it said, so... <laughs> Right. I've never again I've I i do not know anything about it. Um
1: obviously I know who Anna Ranis is, but uh yeah, you know, I'll look forward to watching it. Um What's your what's your feeling about can in general? I, oh, it, <laughs> it's it's a tough one, right? Because nothing sends like waves of anger through me when I hear the fact that people boo films. Yeah. That really annoys me. It's like and it's it seems to be something that's very kind of it happens at Cannes where you either have these kind of like fifteen minute kind of where everyone's literally on the brink of masturbation about how good something is, mm. and then it's this sort of like booze and walkouts that that that, that get me. That's so rude. If yeah, you know, especially if the film people who've made the film are there, mm. there's no need to do that, is there? Unless it is really that you know offensive or just stupid or just. You know, it's like anything, if you don't like something that much i don't i don't feel the need to boo it I, that really irks me about it and it, it's one thing where again i think i probably should care more about can than i actually do but it, it just seems it's i mean it's obviously it's, it's a it's a market really it's not mm. it's a film you know it's it's, it's, it's there. it exists in a commercial capacity that is what it, what it's there for yeah and um it's
0: not, on, not on a festival for the audiences is it or for right. film fans
1: no I think it's it's very much kind of yeah, it's for the lovey darlings and things mm. like that and in a way I mean I, I roll my eyes at the Oscars I just think they're just if, if, if people think the Oscars represent the best films then they're, 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 they've got mental deficiencies but likewise <laughs> I think sometimes with Cannes mm. there's such a prestige attached to it and I sometimes sort of think hey, look, look, look at the film I mean I think there's a real problem at the moment with kind of like kind of art house cinema in general. I don't that, by that, I mean sort of, I think there's a kind of a global decline in films this year. I, I'm really struggling to see things like make the effort to go to the cinema, you know, to, to watch things. Hmm. And there's something about Cannes where you can make kind of like quite a banal film that wins a podcast and suddenly it gets this instant, massive prestige value attached to it. And um, I know it's um, the kind of film quiz I go to each month. One of the questions there was, name as many um films that have won the the palme d'or since 1970 and i I didn't really know that many and when i kind of went back and i was looking at I thought, "God, i've seen that and that's really not that great (laughs) and i don't you know it's just it's just a strange but i'm yeah i I, I don't it's not something i mark up in my calendar and i'm always amazed actually how many new um uh what's that Uh, jean-luc godard films I thought he gave up making films ages ago. There was simply (laughs) a new Jean-Luc Godard film coming out. I'm just like, Christ, is he still going? But yeah, I I sort of take it. it. What's your kind of thoughts on it?
0: Um, I think that, as with most festivals, I use it as a sort of guide to what films might be interesting to watch, but I don't... Whether it wins or whether it plays in competition or whether it's in, in certain regard or whether it's the directorial well, directors something something um, I just use it as a as a way to uh, get a hold of films that might be interesting I don't use it. I don't have to watch the winner. So yeah. it's, and it, the thing I don't like about it is the fact that you can't go down there as a civilian. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be, you have to be uh, linked up to a newspaper or to some sort of, you have to have press credentials to see a film. And I, don't, I can't really stand those type of festivals where they are shutting out the people that are actually going to buy the films.
1: Yeah. And there's always the, I mean, there's the controversies, isn't there? Every year, these sort of like just stage managed PR events, basically. You know, last one Trier is always good for those. I mean, Band Now isn't he or something? Yeah, ridiculous. And it's just, you know, there's the sort of the. I, mean, I remember. Do you remember when um, was it Bjork turned up and laid an egg? No, I can I think it might have been for Dance from the Dark or something like that. Just stupid shit like that. And yeah, there's something about it. It seems very elitist to mm. me. And you have kind of like people like, you know, Mike Lee, who's just kind of, you know, champion of the people. And yet he's at the most kind of like, you know, the most kind of elitist sort of thing. And you've got people like, you know, the, the awful, like um, the Weinsteins, and they're just pimping their films, aren't yeah. they? But it's the, yeah, it's the vitriol, I think, that really kind of puts me off that people have. I don't honestly believe people feel that strongly about something to kind of, you know, it's the worst film ever made. and. Boo it and heckle and things like that, and it's just like learn some fucking respect. You know, stop, mm. you know, stop behaving like
0: that. It's just it's ridiculous. Mm. Um, I think we've covered most of what we set out to do. Um, hopefully, for the fourth quarter, they will get back to their um, their quarterly basis, uh, announcing titles where they do it um, do it collectively. But um, we'll see. I don't think they've uh, quite uh, quite agreed whether or not they're going to. Uh, get back to them when they uh, announce the titles uh, simultaneously. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's a, I, mean
0: I, I was thinking about the other day, I noticed that Criterion are putting F for Fake out on Blu-ray. Yeah, and hopefully that will get Yeah, out. yeah. That's, that's
1: one of my... I hope you will talk about it quite soon, because that's, in the, that's a film I really, really want to come out on Blu-ray, and I want an excuse to go back to it, really, and you know, seeing it again like that. So that's one, perhaps, that uh, you might get an upgrade, but... Mm i think we're pretty much done aren't we um yeah. yeah there will be i just say that we will be changing feed soon um, i know it was announced a while back but the sort of the uh the mechanics are in place now for this to happen so we'll either put up a little kind of like mini sort of bulletin telling you how to go about it or um yeah we'll, we'll do something anyway to kind of signal the announcement so you can kind of uh you know, uh sort out how are you going to subscribe to and stuff like that so
0: Uh, another thing to our listeners if you haven't done so yet and most of you haven't probably please leave a written review in itunes because that will help us gain uh, much listenership so uh, please 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 go to itunes and do that one
1: yeah it literally takes seconds and it really does help because i know i I, there is some sort of algorithm that they have i think where the amount of of feedback they're getting and all that kind of thing and you get on the featured page and um yeah, It's always nice to kind of get. I'm always, it's always nice when you can look at the, the, the subscribers' feed and notice that there's a few more people listening. So, yeah, do get over there and uh, leave us if you're bad, bad or good. In fact, no, if it's bad, let's know first and then we'll try and address it and uh, we'll try and bribe you not to do it. Yeah. Do it.
0: <laughs> so, where can they find you on the internet, Tom?
1: Um, You can find me at 24framescast.blogspot.com. You can follow me on tw- um, Twitter at 24framescast and. Um, yeah, oh, you yeah, get in contact with me. Um, it's uh, 24thCramescast at gmail.com.
0: And you can find me at uh, moccast.blogspot.com. You can find me on Twitter at moc underscore cast. And you can email us at mastersofcinemacast at gmail.com. So if you have any uh, questions or comments about today's show, please uh, send, us a, uh, send us a message. Okay, thanks, Tom, for joining me. And um, until next time, thank you and goodbye. Right. Thank